another episode of All Things Being Equal. I'm Ranjit and I'm joined once again by Alex. Hi Alex. Hi Ranjit, how are you doing? I'm great, how are you doing? I'm good, sun's out, beer gardens are open, I'm looking forward to summer. Fantastic. But to the more important stuff at hand, what are we talking about today? So today we're going to discuss some of the common grounds a landlord can use to regain possession of a property um, that's been let under an assured tenancy. Okay. Prior to commencing proceedings to regain possession of a property during the fixed term, a landlord or the agent must serve a notice on their tenant. Okay. This is commonly known as a Section 8 notice. And why is it commonly known as a Section 8 notice? So the reason it's commonly known as a Section 8 notice is because there's a notice under Section 8 of the Housing Act 1988. Uh, Section 8 of the Housing Act 1988 provides um, that a notice needs to be served, proceedings are begun within the time limits stated in the notice, Mm -hmm. or the court deems it's just and equitable uh, to dispense with the requirements of a notice. Okay, so a few things there. Firstly, we also have Section 21 notices, which is a land, uh, which is a notice which a landlord can serve during a fixed term, which is in respect of their automatic right to terminate the tenancy at the end. Yeah. A Section 8 notice is a landlord's or a weapon in the landlord's armory where the tenant is in breach of the terms of the tenancy during the fixed term, and the landlord wants to bring the tenancy to an end. Yes. And so under Section 8 of the Housing Act 1988, you would have to, in order to commence a claim for possession, you would need to serve a notice in the prescribed form. The proceeding could not be commenced until the time limits stated when the notice have expired. Or alternatively, uh, if you don't meet either of those two requirements, um, the court has the power to, to waive the, the need to serve a notice if it considers it just and equitable in circumstances. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, also, more importantly, um, within Section 8, it provides that the court should not make an order for possession unless one or more grounds in Schedule 2 to the Housing Act are stated within the notice. Okay, so so what you're saying is that you would need to set out the grounds that you rely on for the service of the notice, or, or what you're saying that the tenant has or hasn't done in the notice. Yes. The corresponding ground, which is set out in the second, in the second schedule of the, of the Act, and those both need... But, but all of that information needs to be contained in the notice? Yes. Unless the court dispenses with the need? Yes. Okay, brilliant. So if the court hasn't dispensed with the need, um, in a nutshell, prior to uh, commencing proceedings, a landlord must serve a notice on the tenant. Yeah. It needs to put a date that those proceedings will not begin earlier than. Yeah. And then the ground or grounds within Schedule 2 to the Housing Act, which the landlord is relying on. Perfect. So that's a brilliant summary of, of what needs to be done. Okay. Um, so we're going to talk today about the grounds on which a landlord can rely to bring a tenancy to an end during the fixed term. We are. So the grounds are split. There's mandatory and discretionary grounds. If you can prove a mandatory ground, then the judge must grant possession. Okay. Um, so I assume then with a discretionary ground, the judge has the option, even if you make out that ground, whether or not to grant possession. Yeah, the key is that the judge must be satisfied that it's reasonable to grant an order for possession in favour of the landlord. Okay, um, and what, what exactly is reasonableness? What is reasonable in the circumstances? Well, whilst there's no standalone definition of what const- constitutes reasonableness, um, the court will have regard to a number of factors. So the court may have regard to the seriousness and consequence of a breach, has the tenant had an opportunity to remedy the breach? What the consequence of an eviction will be on the tenant and any family members? 
And also, has there been any persistent breaches of the tenancy in the past? Okay. And if a judge decides that actually, having considered all those factors, it's not reasonable to make a possession order, what other options are available to the judge? So a judge could make a suspended possession order. Um, And what is a suspended possession order? It's an order for possession which has been suspended on condition of certain steps being taken by the tenant. So, for example, in a rent arrears case, it would be the payment of the rent arrears within a period of time. Yes. Or if it was for another breach of tenancy, it would be the rectification of that breach again within a certain period of time. Yeah. And then if the tenant didn't comply, then the possession order would, would kick in. Yes. Okay, fantastic. This is a discretionary ground, and so the court has the ability to make either a possession order or a suspended possession order or or dismiss the claim if it doesn't find the ground made out. With a mandatory possession order on a mandatory possession order on a mandatory ground, so you you say that the judge has no option but to make a possession order? Yes, the judge must make a possession order. Okay, so why don't we have a chat about some of the grounds used by landlords and and whether they're mandatory grounds or, or discretionary grounds? Yeah, I think there's some common grounds that I've come across. Okay. Uh, maybe, Ranji, you've probably come across more than me. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, perhaps... In your illustrious career. Yeah, illustrious is a great way to describe my career, but unfortunately it's not happened. So I suppose some of the common grounds that um, I may have come across is uh, ground one. Okay. So this is a prior notice ground. Uh, this is whereby notice needs to be given prior to the tenancy being entered into. Okay. Um, so that ground one, this is where the landlord is seeking to occupy the property. So, so to be clear on the prior notice, before you enter into the tenancy agreement, you have to give a notice to your tenant saying, I'm going to be breaking yes. the I'm going to be seeking possession during the fixed term. Yeah. Is it not better just to grant a shorter tenancy? Um, no. Okay. Fair enough. Well, a tenancy has to, an AST has to be granted for a minimum term of six months. That's right. So at the moment, if, uh, if you were relying on ground one, you'd need to give a six months notice anyway. Okay. So perhaps now's not the best time to be relying on this ground. You may be better off just giving a shorter tenancy agreement. But I suppose there is some merit in, if, if you want the certainty of, of having the rent and you're not sure whether you are going to exercise the right to possession you serve the notice, it's been done, and if you come to that date and you need to, you can do, but if not, you can let the tenancy go on. Yes. Um, and what is the basis for ground one? So, so what, obviously, is a prior notice ground, but, but what is the ground? Essentially, uh, ground one is split into two. Okay. So a landlord can seek to rely on this ground uh, where he has previously occupied the property as their only or principal home. And the second part of that ground um, is that they require possession for either the landlord and or his spouse. So the second part of that ground is that the landlord requires the property for himself or his spouse or mm-hmm. her spouse uh, as their only or principal home, provided that they have not purchased the property during the tenancy. Okay, fine. So is there anything that I need to show, Roderick? Well, I was going to ask you the same question. What, what would well, you... I can answer that happily. Please. So in respect to the first part, that all the landlord needs to show is that they've occupied the property as their pro- uh, only or principal home prior to the start of the AST. And just to be clear, an AST is in a short, short-haul tenancy? It is, yes. Okay. I think one of the most important factors here is that landlord, there's no requirement that a landlord has to show that they've resided in the property. Okay. Um, 
In respect to the second part, they only need to show that they purchased the property prior to the tenancy, um, but they don't have to show prior residence. Okay, so this is quite useful for where you're buying a property, but you don't intend to move in just yet. Yeah, or you could have certain circumstances where you're buying a property of someone and this is a property that you want and you may want to move in there in the future, but the person you're buying off isn't ready to move out and you may grant them a tenancy. Okay, or I suppose you could be living abroad and coming back soon. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so you mentioned earlier that you now have to give six months notice as a result of the, the COVID legislation, as it were. What was the notice period before? Uh, prior to COVID, it was two months. Okay, do we think we're going back to that soon? Well, the regulations are in place up until the 31st of May. Okay. I have a feeling we will be going back soon, but, but I'm not sure. Be extended. Yes. In another few months. Yeah. Okay. And then the, the next category I think we'll look at is, is um, rent arrears. Yeah. Rent arrears are an interesting one because you tend to um, quote mandatory grounds and discretionary grounds at the same time. Okay. So I would say that this probably makes up 90 to 95% of the notices. Um, section 8 notices that we serve, that they rely on the, the rent arrears grounds. As you rightly say, you have both mandatory and uh, discretionary grounds. And so the, the purpose of the mandatory or, or the requirements of the mandatory grounds is basically significant rent arrears. And so if you can show at the date of the notice and, as a, and at the date of the court hearing that there are more than two months of arrears, give or take, if the rent is paid quarterly or yearly, there's a slightly different requirement, then the court has to grant you possession. But uh, one of the ways a tenant can get around this is to make sure that just before the hearing, they pay enough rent so that they creep under the two-month threshold. And so if you've just relied on your mandatory ground in your notice and they're under the two-month threshold at the date of the hearing, the judge can't make a possession order in your favour, they just can't do it, they have no discretion there. Um, and so your claim will fail and the tenant may go back into arrears of more than two months. And so what you find is that you couple the mandatory ground eight with the discretionary grounds 10 and 11, which um, are that there's some rent arrears and or that the tenant... Um, has persistently delayed in paying its rent. Now, you could rely on those two grounds alone if you wanted to or weren't able to meet the ground eight threshold of two months, but the court may be less willing to make a possession order and, and as we discussed earlier, uh, could make a discretionary order or suspended, sorry, could make a suspended order. Um, have I missed anything there? No, you haven't. That's a very good summary. So, if your claim does fail on ground eight and you're relying on 10 and 11, yeah. what do you need to show? With 10 and 11, you need to show that there's some rent outstanding yeah. uh, for 10, and for 11, you need to show that the tenant has paid the rent late persistently. Persistence is a, is a fact and degree test, really, isn't it? So, um, what looks persistent to one person may not be persistent to another person, but you know, if, if, if the tenant generally not paying on time I think you'll be able to to get over get over the, the or satisfy that ground in your experience if you fail on ground eight how common is it to get a position order under grounds 10 and 11 I would say that 
more often than not, you're, you're looking at a, a suspended possession order and the court will give the tenants time to pay the rent, so maybe a month or six weeks to pay the arrears. And if they do so, then the possession order will fall away. Um, but there are cases where you can see that tenants have, have just paid late from day one and have, have decided to, to bring the arrears just below the two-month threshold before the hearing. And, and I've seen possession orders be made. The other point that I would make is that um, at, at the beginning you said that you cannot, well, the, sorry, you said that the court has the ability to dispense with the requirements of serving uh, a Section 8 notice if it deems it to be just and equitable. If you're relying on a mandatory ground, the court cannot dispense with the requirements of service. So if you have made a mistake in your Section 8 notice, and you haven't included all the statutory wording or whatever, and you've only relied on ground eight, the court can't dispense with uh, the requirements of the notice, and so your claim will be struck out or, or will fail. Whereas if you've relied on grounds 10 and 11, the court has the ability to, to waive the requirements of the notice. Um, so it's sort of a saving provision, as it were. Okay. okay. So are there any other common grounds that you've come across? So, uh, uh, are there any other common grounds that you've come across? Um, I suppose one of the other common grounds that um, landlords often use um, is ground six. So, it's a redevelopment ground. Um, so, a landlord needs to prove that... So is this a mandatory or a discretionary ground? It's a mandatory ground. Okay. Um, so, it's a mandatory ground that if the landlord can prove, um, the court must grant possession. Um, a landlord needs to prove that either he or she intends to demolish, reconstruct or perform substantial work to the whole or part of the property. It's quite a high threshold. Will they also need to show that those works can't be done whilst the tenant remains in, in situ? Quite. The threshold is quite high yeah. uh, that they need to meet. The landlord needs to show that they have a genuine desire for the works to be carried out and are able to show a reasonable prospect of works being conducted. So you can't just turn up and say, I'm going to be doing these works, I want my tenant out. No. You, you need to show evidence yeah. to, to these. So you'll need to prove that you have funding in place, that you may have instructed architects or builders. You can't just rely on ground six on the hope that you're going to redevelop. Okay, so you need to put in place... Uh, everything for redevelopment before you start relying on this ground. Yes. Well, certainly you need to have everything in place prior to the hearing because that's when the court's going to test your indenture. Yes. So plans, money in the bank, planning permission, quite important. Uh, I think importantly as well, a landlord will need to show that the works cannot be done around a tenant Yeah. and they require the property to be vacant to so, conduct yeah. the works. I mean, if you're, if you're giving the property a lick of paint, you probably can't rely on ground six. No, no, unfortunately not. Okay. Um, is there anything else you need to prove? I, th I think also that the landlord will also need to show that the works are going to be conducted shortly after possession is granted. Okay. Okay, so they have an intention to carry out the works shortly thereafter or shortly after obtaining a possession order because otherwise the tenant could continue to occupy the property for another three to six months or... or yes, yes. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I think one of the important things to note as well is... A landlord is not obliged to provide alternative accommodation to the tenant. Could a landlord, in theory, get everything ready, go off and get a possession order, and then something falls through uh, and they're not able to carry out the works? I mean, are they going to be penalised for that? Or 
I don't think they're going to be penalised if they had a genuine ten- intention to carry out the works, if they had funding in place, if they had instructed architects and builders, but everything in life... It's uncertain, isn't it? Yeah. So I suppose, as, as, as said earlier, it's, it's about the date of the hearing, showing or convincing the judge at the time that you're going to be doing these works, and you get your possession order, and then if, if something happens and you can't go ahead with the works, then then it is what it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, brilliant. So, uh, do you want to summarise for us? It's always important to consider um, the grounds you're going to be relying on. If you can rely on one or more grounds, uh, like Ranjit said earlier, if you can prove a mandatory ground, then the judge must grant possession. But if that mandatory ground falls away, uh, for instance, if the tenant decides to clear the rent below two months if you're using ground eight, then you may have to rely on one or more grounds. So it's always important to consider the evidence before you and if there are one or more grounds that you can rely on. Yeah, I think seek legal advice as well because it's important to make sure that you are able to prove or make out the grounds that you intend to rely on at the hearing. Yeah, completely agree. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Alex. Thank you, Roger. And uh, until next time. Yeah, until next time.